Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me now is the number five welterweight on planet Earth. I'm talking about Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad Bilal. Welcome back to Half the Battle. What's up, my brother? It's been a minute. It has been a minute, man. I mean, listen, I, I got to start off with the obvious. Look, we're going to talk about the main event rematch with Luke, but I mean, look, no one's beaten you since you fought in Atlanta the same night Izzy beat Kelvin, the same night Dustin beat Max. You're a perfect 7-0 and since fighting in the ATL. Braves happen to win the World Series. I mean, is this a coincidence, <laughs> man? Did that uh, ATL rub off on you a little bit? <laughs> uh, honestly, I want to go back to that. That was hot. The food was good. Uh, it was just an all-around good time over there. So, listen, man, this time last year, you were coming off a win over Lyman Good. You were unranked. And fast forward a full year, you're the number five welterweight on planet Earth. What have the last 365 days been like for you? Man, honestly, it's uh, it's just been a hard grind. I was like, I, I knew my, you know, you said goals at the beginning of the year. My goal last year was to be ranked uh, and to get to fight these top guys. No ranked guy wanted to fight me. It was annoying. It was you know, you would always ask me who you got, and like, we'll always talk about stuff. You always message me game plans and things like that anytime I get an opponent. Uh, but, like, we honestly kind of been through this together. We're like, all right, well, we got this guy, this guy, this guy. We we, we understood the, it's going to be a process. And uh, for me, like, the 76ers always say, trust the process. And I knew that just keep my head down, keep winning these fights, and eventually it'll happen. And I know that I was good enough to fight these ranked guys. And then I finally get a ranked guy in Maya, beat him. Finally get a ranked guy in Wonderboy, beat him. Now we're number five in the world. Uh, so now it's just keep proving these doubters wrong that think that I can't compete with these guys. I go out there, I beat Vincente next, and I think it's a title shot. So this time last year, you were unranked. Now you're number five. Where do you see yourself a year from today? I see myself with the gold around my shoulder right now. Uh I set goals for myself, and, I, and uh, to me, that goal is achievable. And uh, I always tweet out, gold is the goal. Like, I'm not in this sport just to be in this sport. I'm in this sport to be the champion. And uh, stylistically, physically, mentally, I feel like I could be the real champion. So it just got announced, man. You're rematching Vicente Luque on April 16th. And listen, since the last time you guys fought, you've both had 12 fights, all right? You've gone 10, 1, and 1, 10 wins, 1 loss, and 1 no contest. He's gone 10 and 2. You're ranked number 5. He's ranked number 4, respectively. Like, Is there pride on the line here because of what happened the first time, or do you view this as a fresh matchup? Uh, honestly, I'm a whole different fighter. So it's obviously there's a pride thing. Obviously, uh, you know, anytime I lose anybody, uh, I want to get that one back. I always wanted this one back. But it's not like it's not a personal thing. It's not like I don't, I don't hate for this guy. Like when I got the Wonder Boy fight, uh, I was in Vegas and uh, I happened to train with him. Me and him trained together, and he was showing me stuff that one that he th saw in the Wonder Boy fight. So, like, he's a good, respectable guy, but he's he's a killer in the cage. And for me, I, I don't, I'm not gonna sit there and pick and choose my fights. I want to fight these top guys. I want to fight these guys that nobody thinks I could beat. Everybody thought I was gonna go out there and get killed by Wonder Boy, uh, and I had to prove those doubters wrong. And I'm gonna do it again by fighting this guy. Everybody's gonna sit there and post the same thing over and over again. Oh, this guy, you got knocked out. The trolls are probably already tweeting it out. But uh, we'll see what happens on April 16th. I mean, just to put it in perspective, um, Conor McGregor was a champion more recently than the last time you and Vicente fought. So, I mean, <laughs> it's really been a long-ass time, man. But, I mean, look, we know exactly what he brings to the table. He's the most dangerous guy in the welterweight division. Nasty left hook. He's got the big calf kicks. And people start to shoot sloppy takedowns on him. You already know about that Darson Anaconda series he's got. So, I mean, is there really one big thing to look out for here? Or is it just this is the most dangerous guy and we got to take it second by second this fight? 
Yeah, I mean, once you get to the top five, you know your next fight was going to be a, a big fight. You know it was going to be a, a tough fight. So it was like I figured it would either be him, Gilbert, or Kamzat, and all those guys bringing something different. But what he brings that those other guys don't bring, he brings that one-punch knockout power into the later rounds. Obviously, Gilbert Burns has power, but it's in the earlier rounds. But, like, Luke, we've seen him knock out guys in the third round, rock people got uh, late in the third round. So his his power carries on. So for me, it's just being smarter, showing him that I'm a whole different fighter. I think he's a different fighter, too. Uh, you know, he always brings up this when he wants to uh, fight Kamaro, and everybody always thinks, oh, this guy's his weakness is resting. His weakness is this. And you saw his last fight when he fought against a guy against uh, Kiesa. Kiesa took him down, uh, had his back, and Kiesa usually finishes guys there. So he showed that, you know, he got a good ground game. He got he obviously got a good stand-up game. So he's an all-around tough fight for anybody in the division. So it's going to be a, a good, tough, positive solve. But with me, like, fighting Maya, who's a, who's a crazy hard puzzle, and then fighting Wonderboy, who's even a harder puzzle, uh, I think that those two prepared me for this one fight right here. And in this fight, listen, you got an extra two rounds to work with. And I've always said that, you know, a guy like you, even a guy like Cheeto Vera, you are going to really benefit from five round fights because that's where, you know, you're the kind of guy you take someone to deep waters. You want to see if they're still willing to swim. Well, now you got those two extra rounds. Are you, Does that like make you very excited? Does that make your eyes light up a little bit that you got two extra rounds to work? Honestly, yeah, that was, it was literally I didn't get to fight until right when I was about to walk into practice right now. I was like training at night, six o'clock, and then Ali called me, said, hey, you want to fight? Uh, and I was like, five rounds? Let's go. Book it. And then uh, I was like, you know, you didn't get a contract or anything yet. So I'm like, yo, I'm just going to tweet out main event. My husband said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And all of a sudden I look and then it's, the whole fight got announced. And I was like, what the heck? I was like, I would announce it myself. But yeah, just being a main event. Uh, now it's time to, to prove myself that I belong in there with these top guys. It's always that upper echelon. These, uh, these guys that go to the next level, these guys that are at the top of the division, you see who's really a champion in those fourth and fifth rounds. That's why we call them championship rounds. So you see who really belongs, who doesn't really belong. Uh, who's that guy that's going to prove themselves? That's where heart kicks in. That's where cardio kicks in. That's where willpower kicks in, and I have all that. Now, this fight is taking place in Vegas? Yeah. Nice, nice. Okay, so look, man, these last few fights have been kind of career-changing for you. I mean, like, you set your personal best for significant strikes against Lima with 129. You set your personal best for takedowns defended against Maya. You stuffed 20 out of 21. And you set your personal best for takedowns landed against Wonderboy. And prior to that, you know, you, you landed seven in that fight. Prior to that, the most you ever landed in a fight was four against Jordan Meehan. So, I mean, listen, you've always been an intense guy, but is this version of Bilal Muhammad, like, are you consciously trying to break number, uh, break records and put up numbers? Uh, I just want to be that guy that shows everybody that I can do everything. That I, I can fight anybody anyway. I could adapt to any type of fighter. Lima had to be pressure forward. Uh, against Lyman Good, I had to be backwards, moving side to side. Against uh, Damian Maya, I had to keep it on the feet the whole time. Against Wonderboy, I, I took him down the whole time. So, like, I just want to show that I'm an all-around fighter. And I, I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, he has that Francis Ngannou power. He was born naturally with this one-punch power. No. He has that uh, that long reach like a John Jones. No, I just had that hard work, that willpower, that that work ethic that that beats all these guys in that spot. There ain't no guy out here that's gonna work harder than me. And I feel like mentally and just my mind frame and fight IQ, I'm up there with the best. And there's not a lot of guys that are smarter than me when it comes to game planning and figuring out how to beat somebody, adjusting in the middle of a fight, figuring out that this is gonna work in the middle of a fight. And I think that I do that better than anybody.
when you see guys like Max Holloway put up the strike numbers he did against Calvin Cater, or even a guy like Murab Dawalishvili scoring 12 takedowns in a fight, does that kind of stuff inspire you at all? Honestly, literally, like that that uh, Max Holloway fight, after that fight, I, that that's one of those fights that hypes you up. That you, I watched that fight just to just to get motivation from it, just to see what he does, see how he pushes that output out there, see how he's in the fifth round. Uh, you know, just to get it, it's that mama mentality. You're watching Kobe Bryant shoot, go hard, and you want to be like these guys. And uh, I may be older than these guys, but they're the champions. These guys, you know, he, Max Holloway's the best of the best. And honestly, seeing how Calvin Cater came back from that fight, uh, it motivates you too. Because you see a guy like that where everybody brushed him off. Everybody said that, oh, man, he's getting, there's no way he's going to come back from that uh, that beatdown and blah, blah, blah. And he comes back a whole new fighter, a brand new fighter. Nobody was even thinking about him to be the champion. Uh, they were all talking about, oh, give Giga the next title fight. But that's the type of guy I am, where they're not talking about it. But then you go out there, put a performance like that. Now people are remembering, oh, this guy can be a champion. This guy just beat the guy that everybody said, oh, let's Giga should get the next title shot. Now why aren't you bringing it up about Calvin Cater, who just put the work, put him to work on him? So it's like those type of guys motivate me more than any, any, any of these other guys. Because you expect that from Max Howley. But nobody expected that from Calvin Cater. Yeah, I sure as hell didn't. And man, that was a beautiful performance on his part. Not just to win, but to do it standing, man. I mean, I know the first round he took him down, but the next four, I mean, he beat the dude at his own game. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, when you see a guy like that, that he just literally kind of did the same thing where Max Holloway did to him. He didn't sit there and throw power into every shot. He was doing that same thing, touch box and touch box, and then those nasty elbows, and then just feigning the takedown. He never, he rarely ever feigned takedowns beforehand. Or gave you the threat of a takedown before uh, that fight. But now he's showing that he's adding tools to his game. Branson got you. Like, all right, I didn't get that one-punch knockout power uh, against Gon in the first round. That's Everybody only expected me to knock him out. So I couldn't knock him out, but I had to adjust and take him down. Those are the guys that are like, all right, these guys are real martial artists. They're not just that he got that Deontay Wilder power where right. if, he doesn't, if he doesn't land it, it's over for him. Now he shows that, yo, I, I, can, I have this in the toolbox. I have this in the toolbox. And I'm a guy that has plan a b and c and d i could do it all and i'm one of those guys that's going to show it so right now i mean would you say it's kind of like a welterweight tournament going on because allegedly <coughs> kamaru is fighting leon you got colby fighting george i believe they're going to announce uh chimaev and burns and then obviously you and luke i mean dude it seems to me like it's a welterweight tournament and whoever has the most impressive performance is getting that next shot do you feel the same way yeah, I, I mean, if you're really thinking about it, this fight, I feel like, is the number one contender fight. Uh, I mean, if Gilbert goes out there and he beats Kamza, I don't really want to see a re – I don't think he should get the rematch. Obviously, you know, he he took a tough fight right after the Kamaru fight. Like, nobody wants to take a Wonderboy fight. And, you know, he showed that he's the guy that still wants to get that title shot right back. And he even hurt Kamaru in the first round. But it's like, how many rematches are you going to give Kamaru? He already fought Kobe twice. He fought Masvidal twice. And you guys are talking about him being the GOAT. But it's like, yo, you just had two rematches. Get some new blood. Me and Luke, two new uh, new bloods in the division. You're, he's going to have to fight Leon, who are already beat. Like, he hasn't fought me or Luke, and we're both, like you said, 10 wins out of our last 11 fights, 12 fights. So, like, it's not like we're sitting there getting lucky and, uh, man, we're on a two-fight winning streak. Let us get the title shot. No, we, like, we're putting in the work, and we're going through tough, tough guys. It's not like we're just getting hand-picked anybody. Like, we're, we're, we're fighting the toughest guys in the division. Now we're fighting each other. So obviously the fans love to speak and 
all the fans got different criticisms about different fighters. I mean, with some people, it's about their cardio. Other people, it's about their chin. No one criticizes Bilal Muhammad for losing fights. No one criticizes uh, criticizes you for having shitty wrestling or shitty cardio. The only thing people ever criticize you for or give you heat for is winning fights by decision. And you're actually ranked fourth all time uh, with the most unanimous decision wins in UFC history, which is actually badass. You're up there with like GSP. And you get criticized for going to decision a lot. Now, I remember when Kamaru Usman was on his come up, everybody criticized him for going to decision. I remember when GSP was the champ, everybody criticized him for, uh, for going to decision. But at the end of the day, winning is all that matters. So does it get to you at all that you have to hear, oh, blah, doesn't have power, this and that? Or to you, is like, just let me win and the rest will take care of itself? Yeah, obviously, it's, it's one of those things where it's, people are going to hate on you no matter what. But if you really think about it, I've been close to a lot of these finishes in these fights. And I think that this fifth, this fourth and fifth round are going to be big pay dividends for me. You know, uh, against Wonderboy, I had him in like three or four finishing spots. Against uh, Lyman Good, I had his back. Against Randy Brown, I had his back. There's a lot of fights where I had these guys back in the third round. And I almost had him on a lot of these guys to the breaking point in the third round. Uh, so it's like for me, I don't want to sit there and go out there and force it and be stressed out and try to go for the knockout in the first round. I'm one of those guys that, like you said, I get stronger as the, as the rounds get uh, longer. So in the fourth and fifth round, I feel like that's where you're going to see these finishes. I've only been in one, five, two round, five round fights. Uh, you know, the Leon's one, and then my title fight for Titan FC is one, and I got to finish in the fourth round. So I think getting these main events, getting these five rounders, that's where you're going to see big differences. And then now fans are going to be like, oh, okay, this guy is a finish. It's like, Nobody's ever going to be happy. They're always going to make it in front of you. Francis Ganyu's had 10 first-round knockouts. He gets his one decision, and everybody's calling him boring and a, a loser now that he, he had to go to wrestling. But it's like all they're going to do is remember your last fight. And my last fight, I dominated a guy in Wonderboy who fought for the title twice. Uh, I mounted him, took his back in the first round. There's probably like five or six rests that probably would have stopped it in the first round. But, you know, you just take it how it is. So – I'm glad that they didn't stop it in the first round because, you know, you would have had that all. Oh, you got lucky. You took him down and you just landed in the right spot. So the fact that I dominated him for three rounds, that's tougher than just getting one punch or getting one submission in the first round, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's funny uh, you bring up, you know, people are calling Francis a boring fighter now. He's like the most devastating knockout artist in the history of the sport. Shows off new facets to his game. Before the fight, everyone's like first round KO or bust. He goes out there, wins the championship rounds, shows off a new element to his game, and people are criticizing him. So it just shows me that no matter what you do, you can't win with everybody. But listen, like you said, the Wonder Boy fight should have been stopped in the first round. Had it been a different ref, it would have been stopped. How do you manage your emotions in fights? Because, I mean, it must have been disappointing when you're on top of the guy pounding on him and you're thinking to yourself like this guy is done like why, why do i have to beat him up more yeah you know it's like you, you always see that in the fight where you're pounding, when they're pounding somebody and then they look at the ref they're waiting for the ref i get annoyed by those guys and i didn't do that i was sitting there like you know i'm just gonna keep going because he's literally not doing anything he's not moving he's just covering his ears and i'm sitting there thinking in my head like bro what else do you want to see it's been like 50 unanswered shots and i'm like you're taking this away from me right now herzine I need this finish, and you don't want to give it to me for some reason. Uh, but you get stressed out, and then, you know, you go to the corner. You readjust because you don't want to get there and get stressed out and, you know, argue with the ref in the middle of the round. So it's like you're thinking about it mentally, but you're like, all right, I get it. I still got two more rounds down. You're still going against a dangerous guy and Wonder Boy who can land one punch or one kick and drop you within seconds. So it's like I had to mentally get straight, get my coaches to get me back in my head, get me back in the zone. And it's like, all right, we'll just have to keep doing it again. I mean, 
at the time when you fought him, for the most part, you know, beating Wonder Boy by decision is usually not on the table. I mean, usually he's the guy that goes out there and outpoints people. And a lot of people kind of wrote off his fight against Burns because you know, Burns is very well respected. They're like, oh, it's just a bad stylistic matchup, but there's no way Bilal can beat him. But if you actually look at the numbers, every single time that Wonder Boy has been taken down one time or more, he hasn't won. So you came out there with the right game plan. Now, is it satisfying to not just beat a guy like that, but to get scorecards that read 30-25 when you beat him? Yeah, you know, it's funny, man. Uh, even with Wonder Boy, too, like when I'm looking at it, you know, you watch guys like him, and especially being an analyst now, I'm watching guys and I'm watching like, guys like him and I'm watching guys like Darren Till and I'm like, man, these guys are known as knockout artists, but literally they have so many decisions and I'm sitting there like, why am I considered the decision guy? But these guys are considered such dominant strikers and this and this. And I'm like, they go to decision just as much as me. But uh, when you're fighting a guy like him, you get a 30-25. Nobody's ever done that to him. Uh, I thought that would put me over the top where, the, where it would like, who did Leon beat last? Leon beat Nate Diaz last. I, I felt like that put me ahead of him. Like when you're fighting a guy like Maya and him back-to-back, when Tyron Woodley fought them back-to-back for the title, Woodley said those were the toughest puzzles that he had to solve when he's a champion. And I sat there and I fought these guys right back-to-back. So these are the two toughest tests. And nobody counted me to win, win these fights. And I went out there and I dominated a guy like Wonderboy, 30-25, where you rarely see that. You see that with, you know, Sugar Sean O'Malley beating a guy that just came out on one-day notice. But we sat there and had an eight-week camp, and I sat there and I still dominated you in the way when you know, you're wondering what you already know what somebody's going to have to do to you to beat you. You know that somebody's going to go in there and try to take you down. So you're already planning for that. So the fact that I went out there, I'm not a Division One wrestler. I'm not a, a Jiu-Jitsu black belt. And I went out there and I did that to him. It's through hard work and, uh, you know, perseverance and just showing these guys that I can be a black belt in martial arts. Like, I don't have to be, I don't have to be born into it. I don't have, my father doesn't have to be a karate star. My my. My brother doesn't have to be a, a jiu-jitsu guy. I don't have to be born like that. I didn't start MMA until I was 23 years old, but I grinded my way and now I'm number five in the world. You beat Wonder Boy so dominantly that now people are saying he's old, he's washed up, and basically irrelevant. And it's funny because going into that fight, he was not just a favorite. He was a big favorite. And it goes to show kind of the point we were talking about earlier that you can never truly win with people. But does it bother you at all that people discredit your wins like that? Because going in, you're a plus 200 dog coming out. Oh, Wonder Boy's old and washed up. That's how it always is, man. Now, you know, even when I fought Maya, uh, you know, I sat there and I beat Maya. Spent 23 takedowns, uh, but it's all oh, Maya's old. But just the fight before that, he took Gilbert Burns down. He mounted Gilbert Burns, and he took Gilbert Burns back. But people are forgetting, oh, Gilbert Burns knocked him out. But still, any other fighter, you, if he's not a black belt in jiu-jitsu like Gilbert Burns, they would have got finished in the first round. That's what Damian Maya does. Take, once he takes you down, it's over. So me defending all those takedowns, me doing that with him, I didn't get the credit for that. But like, all right, whatever. So they call me with Wonderboy. You're like, okay, a motivated Wonderboy who, who just thought he was – I thought if he would beat Gilbert Burns, he would have got the title shot. And, you know, he's still right there because Kamara has a fought him. So he's still talking about fighting for the title. He's still talking about, you know, I go out there, I knock out Bilal. I deserve the title fight because Kamara hasn't fought anybody like me. And everybody thinks that I'm the hardest puzzle for him. So I go out there and I dominate a guy like that who still thinks that he's not like he's sitting there talking about retirement. He was talking about fighting for the title. So he's obviously motivated. He's obviously hungry, still thinking about title shots. So I go out there and dominate him. Now it's still like, oh, well, he's 38 years old. He, he's old. He's old. But he just dominated Luke and freaking Jeff Neal. Uh, just a couple of years ago, and he, he he beat them pretty badly. So, like, the only person that beat him was Gilbert Burns. So I'm sitting there like, you know, you still don't get no credit. That's why I was calling out Kamza so much because uh, he's that new hype guy, that, the guy that everybody wants to see him fight. So 
for the title. Everybody thinks that he's going to be the next champ. So I'm like, all right, if I beat him, there's no excuses. If I beat a guy like that, he's young, he's undefeated, he's this, this, and this. There's no excuses. Even though if I would have beat him, there probably would have been, well, he, he was never tested. Now we know that it was all fake hype. There's always going to be those excuses. But now it's like, all right, well, now I'm fighting a guy that knocked me out. There's not going to be no excuses after this one. So you're a minus 200 favorite against Maya and a plus 200 dog versus Wonderboy. And the reason I bring that up is like, I know you're a focused guy. I know the outside stuff is just noise. But I mean, I know you also have a lot of people that are letting you know about these odds, your friends, this and that. Is it at all like, dude, I'm fucking minus 200 versus a legend like Maya that I grew up watching. And then on the flip side, is it like, dude, I'm a plus 200 dog versus Wonderboy. I'm being counted out to this point. Like, do the odds impact you at all? I actually get more motivated when I'm the underdog. I'd rather be the underdog because I like to be I like to be counted out. And then I go out there and, you know, you do that. But it's like when you're a favorite against a guy like Maya, you're like, oh, man, why are they thinking I'm a favorite for? You know, <laughs> he can take me down. He can tap me out so quick. Like, because you're thinking about when you're fighting a guy like these two who, like, are so good in one specific spot. You're like, man, if Maya takes me down, all they need to do is take my back and it's over. So, like, do these people not see that? What's, what's wrong with these people? Uh... But with the Wonder Boy one, it's like, oh, these people think I'm going to get knocked out again. All right, let's see. Let's see if you can knock me out. Let me, let me prove them wrong. So it's, it's just two different mindsets when you're thinking about it. But it's like, it's just funny because my dad always see, my dad will sit there and look at the, the odds. He's like, even this Wonder Boy fight, he was like sitting there like tearing up. Like, why is he the under? Like, tell my brother, why is he the underdog? Why is he? My brother's, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But like, he's getting nervous and scared and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, relax. Right. So I got a couple more questions for you, and then we're going to get some fan questions in. So all the fans watching, drop your questions in the comment box, and we're going to get to that in a sec. So, Bilal, listen, man, you actually started off your UFC career one and two. Now you're 11 and three, and you're ranked top five in the world. So you know what it means to have a losing record in the UFC. You know what it feels like to have a 500 record in the UFC. And now you know what it means to not only have a winning record, not only have a top 10 ranking, but also have a top five ranking. So what kind of advice would you not just give to up and coming fighters, but even people that are struggling in everyday life about not giving up and seeing things through? Man, it's funny you say that because I was just literally uh, my boy Ramiz Rahama just fought, you know, Court McGee. And, you know, he's one of two right now in the UFC. And I texted him. I'm like, yo, I was one of two when I first got in the UFC. Keep your head up. Stay the course. You know, stay motivated. Don't don't lose hope. Don't lose motivation. Uh, that's my biggest thing is to tell people, like, you think you always have a plan. You think, that, all right, once I get to the UFC, I'm undefeated. I'm, I'm going to be this guy. I'm going to go straight to the title shot. I'm going to be a superstar. But then sometimes you have to take a, a, a longer road. Sometimes there's some some guys that come in, they're like a Kamzat where they go straight to the top and they're a superstar right away. Sugar Shot is a superstar right away. And there's some guys that have to grind and work their way to the top. Dustin Poirier, where he says, paint him full. Like you go through all these ups and downs. And a guy like Charles Oliveira, where you go through all these ups and downs and it just makes you appreciate it more. It makes you appreciate the moments more and the victories more because I know how it is to lose. I know how it is to get knocked out. I know how it is when nobody's calling you and nobody cares about you. And like you have family and friends that are talking behind your back. Like, uh, yeah, you saw his knockout and they're telling other people about it. And then I have the moments where random people will start FaceTiming me just to show that they know me and I haven't talked to you in years, but you want to FaceTime me. So, cause you're at a grocery store and somebody was talking about me and they want to act like they're, they're friends with me, but they never text me at all before my face. They never text me at all, anything until it's fight time. And you just realize who's real around you. Who's not real around you who to keep in your circle, who not to keep in your circle. And that's that's the biggest thing I tell people is like, see who's with you when you lose. See who's the ones that are with you when you lose. Those are the ones that you got to keep around when you're winning. 
And on that topic, you know, you mentioned about people's reactions to the first Luke fight, which, you know, Obama was president back when that happened, by the way. But um, I have a feeling and, I, and I'm sure you agree that people are now like, oh, shit, he's fighting that guy again. You know, it's like I'm rooting for Blah, but I'm worried about like, you know, I, you know, that there's people that even though they're your fan or they're rooting for you, they're worried for you in a fight like this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but that's with any fight. You know, they're always going to think the same thing. You know, the, the loyal fans, the ones that really watch him, they know how how good of a fighter Luke is. And then especially after a first fight like that, but they don't understand how much I've evolved. My team knows how much I've evolved. My my coaches know, my my teammates know what what we put, what the work we put in, the, the, the styles that we're going to do. And then, you know, I think that it all adds up and it all adds up to this right spot. This is the perfect time for the rematch. This is the perfect time to get that one back. You know, sometimes a lot of guys will, will rush a rematch or you'll see guys that'll, that'll get it back to back to back, like a uh, uh, Brandon Moreno against Figueredo. And you're like, are we going to keep seeing the same thing over and over again with these guys? But it's like, I feel like I had the right enough time to, to evolve my game. And it made me a better fighter. It made me lose it to him. It made me go reach out to Rufus Sport. It made me find different training partners. So like, in a way it was like, a, it was a blessing because I would have stayed at the same spot. I would have stayed with the same mindset that it was because it was working for me but you know once you take a loss that's when you're like all right maybe i need to add something to it maybe i need to switch something up i didn't switch gyms and leave all my people behind but it was like having my teammates coaches like lewis taylor they would tell you like yo go work out with this guy see what they bring to the table go go see go learn from this guy or that guy you know it's not like you'll have coaches that'll be like oh you're gonna leave me you're disloyal you're this this and this or you have like a man in Nunez who thinks that, oh, I need to change everything up. Right. It wasn't that. It was like, you know, I added a couple of new tools, added a couple of new coaches, added a couple of new mindsets, got a couple of new philosophies, and I think it just made me a better fighter. So do you agree with me when I say there's a difference between knowing something and believing something? And what I mean by that is this. So before your fights with Maya and Wonderboy, I'm sure you believed that you were going to win those fights, but going out there and beating two legends back to back, does that just elevate your confidence to that next level and let you know that you belong up here? Yeah, I, I, I would say more so Wonderboy than Maya because Maya, I've been calling him out for years uh, because I knew stylistically – that he wasn't going to be able to take me down. I'm a, I'm a hard guy to take down, and I love fighting against grapplers, and I love fighting against wrestlers. So I always wanted that fight. The fight against Wonderboy, I really didn't want that fight because he's the most dangerous guy, and he's the hardest guy to solve. And I, I've been through camps with uh, Anthony Pettis, and I've been through camps with T. Woodley, and seeing that they had to bring in this guy and that guy, and uh, just seeing how hard they're, they're trying to figure out this guy and still they both fought him differently, even though – and they both said, dude, it was just so hard. You're, you have to do this. He's a lot longer than you think. He's a lot. He hits a lot harder than you think. It looks slower, but it, it, it hurts. So you're you have it all in your head. And you're watching his highlights, and he's a guy that I fought on. Uh, uh, when me and Luke first fought, uh, it was on a Wonder Boy against Woodley card, and he was the champion. He was fighting for the belt at the time. So when you're on that card and you're you're seeing it, you're in the same locker room as a guy like Wonder Boy. You're like, oh, this guy's fighting for the title, man. I wish I could be next to this guy or get a picture of this guy. And you're like, dang, I gotta fight this guy now. Like, what the heck? So it's like one of those fights where. After that fight, you're like, I do belong. After that first round, I was like, I am strong enough to be with these guys. I am strong enough to be with these uh, these top guys. Like, you know, he's fought these Johnny Hendricks, who's a national champion. He couldn't take him down. But I took him down three times in the first round. I do belong with these guys. I am one of those guys that can be a champion. So that was the fight that really proved it for me. 
you know, it's interesting you bring that up that like you didn't bring anybody to really emulate Wonderboy or emulate Maya. And both those guys are specialists. Does that kind of like speak volumes to how much belief you have in your surroundings and your camp that, hey, we're, we're perfectly fine how we are? Yeah, honestly, it, it did. You know, we're a very small gym <clears throat> and uh, we don't really have any like specialists like that. But like we're always we always want to see each other win. I think we're like we're like a family. And that's the, the, the best part about the gym. So. And the people that I keep around me, even from Rubisport, where Gerald Mershar came out and helped me out, Mike Biggie Rhodes came out and helped me out. So those are like my brothers. So like even over there, when we were all over there, that was the best part about it is that like the team camaraderie. And we all, when one of us had a fight, all of us had a fight because we all wanted to make sure they had one person won. And that's what I have here with uh, Valley Flow. Uh, when I'm fighting Maya, you know, Ignacio Bahamundas, who's just a freaking natural killer striker, he's sitting there shooting takedowns on me, pulling guard on me. And it's like, he doesn't want to, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have to, uh, but he wants to see me win. So that he knows that, you know, him doing that, sacrificing that practice to shoot on me is going to make me a better fighter. And it's going to help him become a better fighter too, because it's going to make him work on his takedowns and work on his guard and jujitsu and stuff like that. So that's what I love about my team and where I'm at right now. So we're going to get to these fan questions um, here in a second. So, How's this ESPN desk experience been for you, man? Because it's super awesome to see you there. You've obviously been improving every single time you get there. But, I mean, it must have been kind of nerve-wracking that first time considering, like, you don't have much experience in that field. This is not the same as fighting. Talking in front of an audience is it's a whole other animal. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where uh, John Anik told me, yeah, you know, just do the podcast, get your reps in. It's going to be the same thing. You know, you're going you're gonna to feel comfortable in front of it, but it ain't the same. It ain't. You don't get comfortable when they, once they once you have somebody in your ear telling you, "All right, we're live, we're live. You got to cut it. You got 15 seconds. Keep it short. Keep it short." And you're like, "What do you mean keep it short?" Like <laughs> I like to talk a lot, and then you you're trying to figure out which camera to look at, and uh, uh, you know, it's just it was hard. It was hard the first couple of times, but now I feel like I'm starting to get more comfortable with it. And uh, the thing I love about it more most is just like studying and uh, watching these other fighters and guys that are like on the undercard and seeing like little tricks and tools that they use. And then it makes me want to add those stuff into my game because I'm sitting there on these cards with like a Corey Sanhagen. I watch his footwork and it makes me want to be like, dang, what, like, what did he do there? So like I'll go to practice and I'll try to emulate it or push it or try it. And uh, just watching all these fights uh, with a purpose, like I analyze them more and it makes me help analyze my fights and my opponents and figure out them more, I think. And I got to ask you, how's uh, Uncle Lou doing, man? <laughs> Uh, you know, he's just getting big right now. He's probably like 250 pounds. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys where it's like, he's just so naturally strong and so naturally gifted that, uh, like he won't be at the gym for like three months, but then when I get a fight, he'll show up and then still kill me. But then he's like, I'm like, dude, you just put an extra 50 pounds. You can't just pick me up and slam me. Like you gotta, you gotta be more light with it now. So like that, yeah, I love having around, you know, that's my brother for life. So it's, uh, it's always, uh, when you have a guy like him and, uh, like I said, a guy that I'm always going to keep in my circle, close circle guys that, you know, that are always going to tell you the truth. Dude. It's so unfair when you got that one guy in jujitsu class, who's taken a full year off and he comes back and he whoops everybody's ass. Like, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. So let's get to these fan questions, man. My boy lock of the night says, uh, did you track down the, uh, the black beast for your show yet? <laughs> Oh, crap. Hold on. Let me grab a charger real quick. Okay, you're good, man. <laughs> Grabbing the charger real quick and get to these fan questions. So all the fans, leave some uh, questions below. We're going to get them uh, in here for Bilal. Hope you all are doing good. Smash that like button. Hit that subscribe button. I truly appreciate it. 
Bilal, can you hear me, brother? Yo, yep, you got you. You good? Awesome. So Lock of the Night wants Hello? to know, did you track? Hey, what up? Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, you can't hear me, brother? No, I got you. Yeah. You good? Okay. Yeah. So uh, Lock of the Night wants to know, did you uh, track down the Black Beast for your show yet? Dude, I'm, I'm in his DMs every freaking day. Uh, he's not <laughs> looking at them. He's not responding to them. I'm, I'm commenting on his posts. Uh, I had a couple guys like, yo, uh, I got it. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to get his number. I know somebody that cuts his grass. And I'm like, I'm like, bro, all right, see if you get the number. See if you get somebody to contact him. So, no, nothing yet. But I did get a couple. I sent it to Ty Tuavasa's DMs. Uh, he was in Australia time, but he said once he comes back to the U.S., he's going to hop on with me. So, F you, Black Beast. I don't need you. <laughs> and Locke also wants to know, at what point did you decide that you needed to step up your social media game because you're easily one of the best in the UFC? Uh, honestly, it was like early on in my career. I was thinking like, you know, being a professional athlete, you had to be more motivational. You had to be one of those guys. And then, uh, I realized that's not social media. Nobody cares about that. Uh, it's just being yourself and then opening up and being like, you know, you want to show people who you really are. Uh, and I feel like once I figured that part out, that's when it became easier. That's when it became more fun for me. You know, it was, it wasn't fun just like posting the same thing, same motivational quotes over and over again, but like just being more real with it, being the, the, who I am showing my, more of my personality. I think that's what made it more fun for me. Jimmy, the drunk says, Bilal, has anyone ever tried to start a fight with you in public because they know you're a pro fighter? <laughs> uh, I, when, before I got into the UFC, it was more like that. Cause I used to work in uh, Chicago and uh, the East side. It was like the, it was a bad neighborhood. Uh, but I used to work with my cousin and then, uh, you know, there, there'll be freaking people walking in they'll, they'll have guns under waist and stuff like that. And, uh, my cousin always be like, oh, hey, you know, my cousin, he's a he's a fighter. He's a fighter. He'll knock you out. And then the dude will be like, oh, yeah, but can you take a bullet? And I'll be like, bro, dude, shut up. I was like, tell my cousin, I'm like, stop telling people that because then people will want to test you. They will want to prove it. And like, if you do get into somebody, they're going to shoot first and then worry about it later because they do know I'm a fighter. Yeah, you don't want any any of those kind of problems. So Dan wants to know, he says, Blah, what are you doing to address the submission threat from Luke when implementing your wrestling heavy game plan? Uh, you know, like I said, every game plan is different. Uh, the Wonder Boy was a wrestling heavy game plan. Who says that's going to be there for this fight? Uh, for me, I think my ground game is very good. I work with really good guys. I work with Jared Mershart, who's the the leading uh, middleweight submission uh, holder right now, record holder right now. So I got really good guys that I train with, roll with, mixed basics. So I got some good guys, black belt. So I'm not really worried about it. I'm more, more worried about everything else. So uh, JSJ23, he doesn't really have a question. He has more of a compliment. He says, Bilal Loki building towards a better resume than Woodley. Already has the Maya and Thompson wins. Luke up next. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it. When I get to that title shot, when I get that, that belt around my waist, it's not going to be given to me. I, I'm going to have to earn that, and I, I'm going to show that I had to go through the, the toughest road. Like, they're, they're not giving me no layups. They're not giving me no easy fights. I'm not skipping the line. I'm literally climbing that ladder the, the longest way possible, the hardest way possible. But when I get to that title, it's going to be worth it more. Uncle Weezy says, Bilal, in your 24 professional fights, Luke is the only fighter to ever finish you. Since then, you've been on a 10-1 tear. What did you learn from that first Luke fight? Uh, like I said, it, that fight right there just made me change my training. You know, before that fight, I was 9-0. Uh, and 0. Uh, 
you know, you're 9-0, you're the most competent kid in the world, you think you're doing everything right. Then I go in there, it's like, all right, you lost to uh, Joe Ban, but you're like, all right, well, it was a, a couple-week notice fight, it was during Ramadan, uh, you know, you have excuses for it. So you're like, all right, well, whatever. My next fight, I go in there and I get to finish. So you still think you're on the right track, you still think you're doing the right things. But then you go under, all right, well, you need, to, you need to be all in. You need to be all in with this sport. Like, you need to be ready for guys like that that do have that one-punch power. So it just made me change my mindset, change my training. And uh, like I said, it made me a better, stronger fighter. All right, so a couple more questions, and we're going to get you out of here. I do appreciate your time, Bilal. So JSJ23 says, how do you think you match up with the champ, Usman? I match up very well with him. Uh, after watching that Kobe fight, I feel like stylistically me and Kobe have kind of the same style, but I just had way better wrestling than him. I mean, uh, and way better striking than him. Uh, wrestling, we're, we're pretty much the same. Cardio, we're pretty much the same. But striking, I have way better striking than Kobe. And when you're looking at Usman, those are the things that gave him a problem. Where, you know, he didn't even want to take a shot on Kobe because he knew that Kobe probably defended his takedown. So it was all stand-up. And then being a stand-up, being uh, cardio, we match up uh, pretty pretty even on that. Uh, strength, I don't think he's be able to take me down. I don't think he's be able to hold me on the fence. Uh, so stylistically, I think that my style matches perfectly with this. Now, this is the most important question we've gotten so far. So Chris Lau wants to know, is hummus a dip or a spread, Bilal? Huh? Is hummus a dip or a spread? Oh, you know what it is? Oh, I, th I thought you, I thought you said who moves a dip or a spread. <laughs> uh, hummus I, for for me, I eat it any way possible. I, like I, I usually put it as a spread because I'll eat it with a turkey sandwich or falafel. I'll put that on there. I'll put eat it with chicken, but I also use it as a dip. I dip chicken in there. I'll dip pita chips in there. So it can be used as anything. Anything that use it any way you want. It's just so good everywhere. Dude, a pita with hummus and falafel, maybe some chicken in there, some shawarma. I mean, that, that's all That's all we need, brother. So I know yeah, I shouldn't be talking to you like brother. that now that you're in fight camp. <laughs> so last but not least, uh, what's your prediction for this uh, Jorge and Colby fight? Um, I think a lot of people are underestimating Masvidal. I feel like Masvidal does have pretty good takedown defense. Obviously, Kobe has really good takedowns. But Kobe's not good at holding people down. A lot of the time, a lot of the guys get up when Kobe takes them down. And uh, I was talking to somebody, too, before where, you know, training together, I feel like that that helps Masvidal more than Kobe because, you know, when you train together, you're going 100% when you're wrestling. You're going 100% when you're grappling. But you're not really trying to knock out your sparring partner. You're not really trying to hurt your sparring partner like that when you're when you're throwing strikes. Uh, so I don't feel that Kobe's felt Masvidal's hardest punches or hardest kicks. But I feel like Masvidal has felt Kobe's hardest wrestling, hardest uh, takedowns. And he sees what his go-to takedown is, what his go-to way to hold you down is. Uh, but, you know, when it comes down to punches, you, you're, you're really never going to throw hard punches in practice with four-ounce gloves. So you don't feel that. You don't feel uh, shin to the body, shin to the head with uh, no shin guards on at practice. And I feel like Kobe hasn't seen that part of Masvidal yet. And, you know, Masvidal – he has to be motivated to take this fight, you know. Right, right. You know, I was thinking, I was sitting there like, man, why doesn't he wait for, why doesn't he go for Nick Diaz or Nate Diaz or uh, McGregor? Because those are the huge money fights. So obviously, he still has that mindset of, I want to be a champion. I want to fight Kamaru Usman. And Kobe just a, a, another tough test. Because if you lose three in a row and you lose to a guy like Kobe, you know that all that trash talk is going to come. All that, oh, well, Masvidal was never good. Masvidal got lucky with his knee, got lucky with that, got lucky with this. He was given all of this, Dana White privilege and stuff like that. So there's a lot riding on this fight for Masvidal, but the fact that he took the fight shows me that he's still motivated and he's still hungry. 
And finally, Tajik Bay wants to know, how did your training with Saeed Nurmagomedov go? And what's your impression of him as a fighter, the kid that uh, beat Stamen this past weekend? I didn't train with him. I trained with uh, Saeed Yakub. Uh, oh, my bad. I guess I miss, uh, missed the question there. How did the training with Saeed Yakub go? Uh, dude, he's a beast. He's a, he's a good kid. He's uh, Man, he, his wrestling, his grappling is smart. And just talking with him. Like you can just tell that he's very motivated. He got a good head on the shoulder. So I'm excited to get more working with him, uh, get more training with him. I like when there's like young fighters that aren't that cocky or aren't just like full of ego. Like he's like a he's like a good kid. And you tell I can just tell that he's gonna be uh, one of the tough guys in that division. Well, Bilal, I truly appreciate you taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on half the battle. Um, I know that uh, there's a lot of shows that want. You know, a piece of you and the fact that you decided to come on here with me means the world. We truly appreciate it. All the fans can follow you at BullyB170. Uh, Bilal, any message for the fans before we get out of here? Uh, thank you, bro. Um, you know, just want to say all my doubters can't wait to prove you wrong. So all my fathers can't pray, wait to prove you right. Tune in. Hell yeah. Bilal, thanks again for the time, brother. Best of luck in camp and uh, can't wait for this fight, man. Thanks, brother. Take care, man. So everybody, that's the number five welterweight on planet Earth. Bilal, remember the name Muhammad. What an awesome dude, right? And I mean, he basically nailed it down. I mean, for him, it's he's never been outworked, out hustled in a fight. The only times he's had issues in fights was actually when he's gotten hurt in fights, but it's never been because someone held him down or someone outstruck him or 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 just outworked him. I know the Jeff Neal fight, but man, he's won seven in a row since then. So I think, uh, I think we're looking at a new Bilal Muhammad and man, this rematch with Vicente Luque, it's been many years in the making. I cannot wait for it. So guys follow me at best fight picks on Twitter, subscribe to half the battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available, smash that like button for me. And guys, remember every Tuesday night, I'm going live with a different UFC fighter, a different up-and-coming prospect, maybe some personalities of the sport to talk about up-and-coming prospects. I mean, this is Dan's Tuesday Night Contender. So until Contender Series comes back, you're going to have to deal with me. And then uh, every Thursday morning, you already know the fight breakdowns with me and Shaq, 10.30 a.m. So from now on, you get two episodes a week, Tuesday night, Thursday morning, and then I'm working on one other. I know I got to get that after the battle going again, and, and that's the plan. So I will do that, guys. So thank you all very much. Um, if you guys need a hookup for daily fantasy sports, make sure you all check out my sponsor prize picks, use the code battle, um, for an hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars. And if you need a new sports book, check out my sponsor bet us and use the code battle one twenty five for an 125% uh, bonus on your first deposit guys. And all the links are in the description. So again, smash that like button, hit that subscribe, follow me on Twitter at best fight picks. I truly appreciate it. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.